Hi, everyone. Back with another podcast. A week before Thanksgiving as we're all gearing up. And I'm here with Courtney Marcella O'Brien and Holly Tillman, uh, both newly elected. Holly elected to the Clayton City Council and Courtney elected to the uh, Martinez School District. So welcome and thank you both. Thank you. Happy thank to be you. here. And so the first question is, you know, with you're, you're both busy, successful women with lots of things going on. What, what inspired you to run for office this year? Courtney, do you want to go? Sure. Um, so I've been involved in local politics for a couple of years. Uh, four years ago, I ran for city council in Martinez and I wasn't successful, but it really was an eye-opening experience. And I learned a lot and met a lot of people. Um, and I had also been very involved in our schools since I've been involved in the schools since my daughter was in kindergarten. So the last eight years, I served on various committees, um, the LCAP committee, the school site councils at a couple of the different schools. And I've also been involved with the um, Democratic Central Committee in Contra Costa County and was actually elected to a position there in March. So um, I had been attending school board meetings and also doing some of the local political stuff. And I just felt like I could really um, use my skills. And I've always been an advocate for kids and for education. My mom was a school teacher for 35 years, excuse me, 35 years. So it just seemed like the logical place where I fit and that I could um, hopefully do some good for the community. And Holly, how about you? So pretty similar to Courtney. I did not, this is my first time running for city council. Um, I also got involved when our daughter started elementary school. So I was, um, we're here in Clayton. So I was PFC president here at the elementary school. I did that for two years, as well as served as vice president of education for two years after that. And then also served on the site council for several years while our girls were there. And then from there, um, or actually uh, during that same time, uh, my husband and I were running the St. Bonaventure track and field program here in town um, and very active here in the uh, uh, local community doing stuff with the CBCA for years, volunteering at our Oktoberfest and Art and Wine Festival and got to know a lot of the people here in town. And then uh, most recently served as the board secretary for the Clayton Business and Community Association is what CBCA stands for. So I'm finishing up my second uh, year here doing that. Um, and then also this summer, we started a program called Clayton Speaks, um, which was after our June 5th Black Lives Matter rally. And it was after that that my husband said more seriously, because he's been asking me since 2014 to run for city council and kind of starting write-in programs. But he said, I think you really should put your name on the ballot this year. Mm -hmm. And I just said, no, I'm still not going to do it. And then after um, I had a kidney transplant in June and started recovering from that after a couple of weeks and started feeling better, um, that's when I just said to him, you know what, I think I actually might pull the papers and do this this year, um, just because of everything that's going on nationally. Um, we had a lot of good inroads after having the Black Lives Matter rally here in town and started the whole Clayton Speaks webinar series, which is talking about race relations here in Clayton and got a lot of good feedback from that and wanted to continue on that momentum. And um, my slogan for running for city council was it's about time. And so there's a, a lot of play on words for that, um, but that's why I ran. So I decided to pull papers run and was successful. And now I'm council member elect and should be sworn in December 1st. And here you are. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, having served, you know, I, I, it is, it's challenging being a working parent um, and then running for elected office. And for, for each of you, I would just, I, I'm wondering 
what was the, the biggest challenge or what, what did you learn when you're out on the campaign trail that, it, because until you're doing it, and Courtney, I know you would run before, but you know, doing it in this time with everything going on, what, what was the biggest surprise? What was the biggest challenge for you? Well, that is a, um, you know, it's, it's kind of just uh, hard to give an answer because I feel like just, you know, all of it is challenging, but just like being a working uh, mom and, and I'm actually a working single mom, um, you just do it. That's just how things are, right? So um, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, but it, it is challenging, especially with, um, you know, since the first or second week of August, uh, my daughter's been doing the distance learning at home. So we're all home. We're both home together all day. And, you know, I know that's so much harder on the teachers and it's harder on the parents too, because we're more involved and uh, we're, you know, having to make sure that we have the, the right things they need at home to learn successfully too, which is a whole new world for all of us. Um, and this campaign was a little bit different because it was mostly virtual because of COVID. Mm -hmm. So I, I did um, still walk a lot of precincts and instead of four years ago, we knocked on doors and talked to people. This time we just uh, left literature, but I was pretty lucky because I was able to team up with some other candidates that were running for various positions in town. Um, our city council, the county school board, county BART board, we kind of all tag teamed it and helped each other out, which was amazing to have that team and be able to cover more ground. And um, the nice thing, kind of, I thought about COVID, even though I know we're all kind of sick of Zoom, but it was a little bit easier to fit everything in because of Zoom, because you didn't have that, that travel time to the different endorsement meetings and, and different events. You know, I could, my daughter could be in the other room doing school and I could be on Zoom doing an endorsement interview. So um, that was kind of a little bit of an a surprising thing that actually made it a little bit easier this time around. I've always struggled for years to make it to school board meetings coming from San Francisco and six o'clock was a challenge. And now I'm like, I'm at home, Zoom, four o'clock, sure, let's do it. Uh, you know, yep, it's exactly. a bit different and a bit easier. Holly, how about for you? I would say for me, um, the silver lining with the, us being in the shelter in place helped me a lot um, because uh, for similar reasons, we couldn't go door to door, obviously. Um, yes. And because I just had the kidney transplant, I'm really limited because I have a compromised immune system. So that would have, I would not have been able to do that even um, outside of COVID. It just yes. wouldn't have been safe for me to do. So I prefer doing all of the stuff that I did on social media, the, the way that I had to. Um, I put a lot of stuff out on social media. We also had our candidate, um, interviews or candidate, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, meet the candidates for the city council meetings. They did that for us every two weeks, which was great. You only had three minutes, but at least you could, you could kind of um, put it out there and we, I would share it on social media on Instagram and on Facebook and friends would share it as well so that people can see what my platform stood for. Um, and then we also did um, precinct walks. I had about 30 to 50 people meet us in the park. And we all took a, a few neighborhoods um, to hang out door hangers and people were able to help me. That was how I was able to get to all of the houses yeah. um, and spread the word on my campaign there. And then we also did a really big push with our signs or with my signs. And my husband has, he planted every single one in all of the yards and all of the people who requested them, I'd ring the doorbell, introduce myself, and then I'd take a picture with all of them. And so that was another way that I was able to meet people in the community, which was great. And we 
I was able to meet over 220 new people, which was nice. So yeah. 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 And, you know, I think for both of you, I mean, walking in as we've, you know, moved into purple, uh, back, you know, into the purple tier, mm-hmm. um, huge financial challenges, both for city finances and for school districts. Courtney, you've got a brand new superintendent there in Martinez. You know, how, how are you feeling about those, those challenges? And what do you think the biggest challenges facing you are going to be as you, you step in and, you know, you're quickly trying to get up to speed and, and here are these massive challenges. Courtney, how, how about for you? Yeah, you know, um, coming into it, I had um, I had been thinking about running for, for quite some time. Like I said, I, I attend a lot of the school board meetings and I knew about a lot of the challenges. The budget has been a challenge for several years. Um, our superintendent leaving in July was a bit of a shock. Uh, I did get to meet with the new superintendent yesterday and she seems great. So I'm excited to work with her. Um, when I actually pulled my papers and, and you know launched the campaign in June, I really had it in my mind that all of this distance learning and COVID stuff would be resolved by now. <laughs> and, and here we are six months later and it's definitely not. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I know it's gonna be a challenge, but um, I'm just gonna do my best. And uh, I know that, uh, that there are a lot of um, good people that have been working on it for some time. So I'm excited to get to work with them. And, um, and you know, it, it's definitely something where uh, we're, you know, I just keep saying we're all in it together. And obviously everybody has different situations. Some of us parents can work from home, some can't. Everyone, it's difficult for everybody to varying degrees, but I just hope that people keep, um, being patient and being flexible. And that's really what I'm going to try to do. And I, I remember when we moved into distance learning in Mount Diablo, I had all these emails and people weighing in about whether we should come back before or after spring break and, you know, how we might move. And, and, and in retrospect, you know, we spent a lot of time worrying about something that, uh, you know, di- di- didn't become an issue. So, and that feels like years ago, doesn't it? Yes. It was. Yes. <laughs> it was. Holly, how about for you? So for me, I've got some big shoes to feel, fill. Um, Julie Pierce, who's been a longtime city council member, uh, is retiring. Um, I was hoping to be, oh, well, she'll still be here, so I'll be able to get some information from her. Um, and then Tuya Catalano uh, was unsuccessful with her run, so I was I was hoping to be able to serve with her as well, to be able just to get some of that knowledge. This would have been her second term. So there will be um, me, um, Peter Cloven, so we're the two newbies that'll be joining, and then we'll be serving with um, two individuals who just joined in 2018, and then Jim Diaz, who will be starting his third term. So he'd be the longest tenured person that's on there. So we're relatively new, I would say, as a city council. Um, but luckily, like I said, Julie isn't going anywhere because she's got that knowledge base, which I'm def- definitely going to need to tap into. So I am starting from scratch. Um, given that I didn't serve on the planning council as a few of the other people did that are currently in the role. I think Jeff Wan is the only other person who hadn't served in any capacity. And he's, as I said, this is his his second year, end of the second year. So we're pretty fresh, everybody's smart. Um, I know that I will have to get up to speed pretty quickly when I'm sworn in on the first. I listened to the meeting last night to hear some of the things that are upcoming on the agenda, um, possibly on December 15th. And they shared with the staff 
you know, as soon as these people are sworn in, please meet with them and get them up to speed before they have to start voting on anything on the 15th. So I've got a little window. Um, I think I'm going to, I've got about hmm, almost three weeks left of PTO after next week that I, I can take. So I'll take a little bit of time and digest all of that and be ready and raring to go to hit the ground running on the 15th. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I know for both of you that, you know, with, with everything happening around social justice and race that, you know, the, those touched, um, you know, Martinez with the, the Black Lives Matter uh, matters uh, in mural in front of the county building and vandalism that took place there. Holly, you mentioned it earlier, um, some of the, the marches in, in Clayton. And I was actually, you know, our family went to one of them where you and your family were there up uh, in the front. And, um, you know, it's such an interesting dynamic. And, you know, I, I think we also, we, we saw some really ugly things over the summer and some, you know, just flat out race, racist type actions and, and remarks and things said on social media bubble up, but I thought we also saw a lot of community and, and, you know, people stepping forward in a way that they hadn't before. What was that, you know, how did that impact your race, um, you know, for, for city council and for school board? Holly, how about for you? Cause I, I, you know, I, it was my first introduction to you from a, a public standpoint was seeing you at, at that March in Clayton. Mm -hmm. And so after, I think I shared a little bit that evening uh, with everyone that after George Floyd was murdered, um, it, it became very, very cumbersome to keep having the same conversations over and over again, but I was happy to have them at work. So I serve on the DNI council um, with my employer and this is my second year serving on, in that role. And so outside of those meetings, because we definitely wanted to um, all come together, share all of our, our feelings, but out of a firm of about 1300 people, there are, there are now 12 of us who are black people. Um, and so it became very tiring to have to have the same conversations over and over again with colleagues about, well, how are you feeling? And I finally just had to say, okay, I know that these are uncomfortable conversations, but I'd rather do all of this at, in one big group. Um, and so I shared that that night to say, it's okay to have the uncomfortable conversations with people because a lot of people are having them within their homes um, and they just don't know how to broach that subject with people outside of their homes. I'd rather people ask me about it and let's talk about it in a broader context. So Zooms work great, which is why we started the whole Clayton Speak series. Um, I think people have to get to a point where they're able to do that. And that was part of the reason why I wanted to run as well to let people know, hey, you've got a voice now. Um, you heard that night, Brian, where there were residents who shared that they have been living here for 30 years and hiding in their homes that's unacceptable. We can't have people who are afraid to come out into our community because they don't feel welcome here. And so that's why my platform was community inclusivity and transparency was I wanted all neighbors to feel welcome here in town, that they can be their authentic selves and be out and about and know that they're gonna be welcomed by people and that this is a safe place to be. We can have conversations, we don't have to agree all the time, but we at least have to get to a point where we can have constructive conversations, um, really get down to the heart of what things are, not be afraid to do that, but also be respectful in that dialogue. And that's part of what I'm gonna to bring to the council. I'm not saying that hasn't happened. I'm just saying that's gonna be my voice. People are gonna know that they have somebody representing them that will bring uh, to the forefront what their issues are. We're gonna talk about them, whether they're uncomfortable or not. And you're okay doing that with me. I'm gonna be your voice to put that out there. And Courtney, how about for you? 
You know, it, it um, you know, there were definitely some um, news making events in Martinez over the summer. And I, I'm thankful our school board has been fairly progressive for quite some time. They actually uh, passed a um, an equity resolution before some of these events even happened. So that that was something that I was um, thankful for that, you know, a lot of us are like minded coming into it. Um, we did just, uh, this district did just start, um, they're doing a parent education series on race. That has been a little controversial, um, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Some people are not happy with the, um, with the educator that, that was chosen. She's been uh, a little bit of a controversial figure. And I'm sorry for the life of me, I, I'm just not remembering her name right now. It will come to me, but you know, I, I think it's unfortunate that it's controversial because um, it shouldn't be, but that's just kind of the state of our of our world right now. Uh, and I'm looking forward to taking part in in the in that education series because this is you know this is always a, a learning experience for me. I've always considered myself to be liberal, but you know, obviously, it's a, it's been a learning experience for all of us. Um, I was someone that uh, you know. I, I try really hard to recognize my white privilege, but it, again, it's just something that we always have to be working on. And I, I think that um, whenever we can, like Holly said, whenever we can use our voices to lift up someone else's voices and make them feel heard, that is a really important part of um, just being good citizens, but especially as elected people. And I'm really looking forward to doing that. I did attend over the summer, there's a group in, um, in Martinez that was formed called MUSD Students Unite. And they put on a rally with um, Together We Stand, which is a, a, um, a group, a, a racial equity group, I think out of Richmond. They put that out together in, in Martinez over the summer and I attended that. And there were some really heartbreaking stories of students of color in our schools that, you know, so many, I know there are so many parents that think, there's no racism in Martina as well. Mm -hmm. Come listen to what these students have to say because it, unfortunately that's not true. And um, we did have some, a couple of our principals attended the rally and a couple mm -hmm. of the other candidates attended it too. Unfortunately, none of our current board members attended, which I know the students mm -hmm. were pretty upset about, but um, I, I don't want that to happen. I want when those types of things happen, those events are held, someone that's elected needs to be there. So I'm going to try to be that person as often as I can and um, encourage some of my colleagues to do that as well. Yeah, and I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to jump in and say um, that we did a series. Uh, we had, we've had three webinars for Clayton Speaks and our third one was with the youth um, in our local schools, with the kids who grew up here. So there are some that are in our local schools as well as those who've gone off to college. Um, and they shared the exact same thing. They shared from, from elementary school on up the racism that they've ex experienced. And it was nice to have them go third because the second um, webinar series was with the teachers. So we had teachers and administrators, um, all of them who live here in Clayton, but they work at various schools from Clayton to North uh, Northgate, which is in um, Walnut Creek down to San Ramon. Um, and I'm missing a few schools. Um, we have the charter school here in, in Concord. and. It was nice to hear the educators and them talk about exactly what they've experienced, um, but then to hear them being followed up by the students and what they've dealt with growing up here, 
at that point, you know, because we had people who were on social media saying, you know, it still doesn't exist even when the teacher said it, but you can't deny it when the kids are telling you from their own mouths what they've experienced for, for years. Right. Um, and so it was very powerful to have that, you know, to give the kids a voice to be able to share their experiences and they were raw. And I think that hit home with a lot of people. You can't deny it when, I mean, you shouldn't deny it when adults are telling you, but to hear the children speak spoke volumes. I, I, absolutely. And I think for me at that um, Clayton rally, one of the just you know, most frustrating things for me was hearing a little girl, I think she was nine in fourth grade, um, same age as my daughter, talk about the, the things that had happened to her in Mount Diablo schools that had led her family to have her leave. And it was, um, you know, not blatant overt racism, but right. the idea of the microaggressions and these little tiny things that have added up and just the, the devastating cumulative impact that those have. And you're absolutely right, Holly, when you hear it from a, a nine-year-old, I mean, there, there is nothing more heartbreaking than, than hearing something like that. And, um, you know, I, I think what, one of uh, the, the best pieces of advice I could give to a school board member or any elected official is listen to our, our students, listen to our kids because they are so bright, they are so engaged, they are so passionate and articulate and, and uh, empathetic. And you know, we've, we've just added a student board uh, member to, to MDUSD and her name's uh, Michelle Alas, and I'm devastated I don't get to spend more time with her because she mm -hmm. has such a great perspective. And I, you know, I certainly, Amazing. you know, the, the chances for you to engage with students, what, you know, tell me about that in terms of, you know, both the campaign and how you see student voices and uh, youth informing your, your work in, in your new roles. Holly, how about with also, you? Yeah, that was a huge part of my campaign was engaging with the students. So, um, and I think part of that was listening to the Clayton Speaks youth. Um, they were powerful. And then they put me in contact with, um, I don't know if you want, were able to watch that series, but one of the, the panelists that was on there put me in contact with Michelle right after that. I think he sent me a text. He's like, you really need to call Michelle. Um, we have this other program called Gen Up. And I really think that you would be great uh, to, to be interviewed by them. And that was one of the interviews I did that Michelle led um, was to be, it was a webinar with them. And they asked some great questions. These youth right now, on a Friday night, I would not have been interviewing somebody running for city council. That, would, that was not what I did when I was in high school. They're amazing. And their yeah. questions were just on point. Um, so I'm very pleased to, to have worked with them uh, as well as the Clayton Speaks Youth they really are the future. They're bright. Um, I'm looking forward to working with Michelle uh, uh, in her role uh, with the school board. I think that that was a great move to do that, long overdue. And I have no problem working with them still. In fact, I I'm, might put my, my name in the ring. I think there's something going around now in the district where they're looking for parent um, involvement. I can't remember the name of the group, but uh, Keisha is part of it. Um, there's a gentleman that's at College Park who runs the BSU who's part of it. Um, uh, Kelly Cooper sent me the link. Um, and I think that they're looking for applications for parents to be on this board too, but I can't remember the name of it, but it has to do with uh, diversity and inclusion within the district, within the school district. Um, and I'm thinking about possibly taking that on, if not finding a close friend that can do it so that I can stay involved a little bit. So. Because you don't have enough going on. I know. It's, I, 
it's silly of me to even contemplate, but um, it's I'm passionate about it. So I, I can't I can't just ignore it. So Kelly sent it to me and thought of me and I'm noodling on it. There you go. All right. Yeah. I'm still amazed that you ran a campaign while recovering from a kidney transplant. I did. That's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously the the students are are the reason why I'm doing this. I, I can't imagine why anybody that didn't care about the students would want to be on a school board. I'm sure that it's happened, but um, you know, our school board has had a student member for I don't know how long, as long as, as long as I've been involved in going to meetings. And um, this year, her name is Robin. She's amazing. The student member last year was amazing. It's always wonderful to hear what they have to say. And they're always mm -hmm. impressive. Um, and, and, and that was really a lot of, there were a lot of events where we were able to interact with youth during the campaign, which was awesome. Um, that that MUSD uh, Students Unite group that I mentioned earlier, they did a uh, a, um, a it wasn't really a forum. It was just more kind of like an open round table where people could just come and talk about the different issues that were that were going on. And and I attended that. And um, you know around around um, racism and anti racism in in Martinez and. Uh, they also did a, on their Instagram page, they did a candidate series for school board because their, their focus really is on what's happening in the schools, which I think is amazing. Um, so they did a, a, um, a questionnaire for all the school, school board members and then did like a featurette of each school board member on their, um, on their Instagram page. So I participated in that and that was great. And it was really, um, it was great to hear what was important to them, but also to hear what what the other candidates said, because, you know, it, it was kind of nice to hear that a lot of us are on the same, same page. So I kind of felt good about, you know, no matter how this campaign turns out, I think we're headed in the right direction. So that was really nice. Um, and I'm excited to start to work on, you know, as I mentioned, um, there's the parent education series that the district is starting next month on race. They've already started it with some of the teachers and I'm hoping that it's gonna be pushed down to some things that the students can participate in soon as well. Um, right now it's really, it's, it's an optional thing. I do feel like some of this stuff need, doesn't, shouldn't be optional for especially um, the educators. Uh, so, but you know, I, hopefully we'll get there soon. Um, they, our superintendent did mention when rolling it out that, you know, this is something that you know, people, it, it's most effective when, when people want to be there, which I'm sure is true, but it, you know, it needs to be something that, that everybody gets involved in eventually. So hopefully our students can lead the way and, and that uh, they, they kind of have been so far. That's been what a lot of the driving force, like you said earlier, in the Black Lives Rally, um, Black Lives Matter rally that happened in Martinez in July as well. It was really the student voices that got people fired up. So um, I'm excited to, to, to work with them and learn more from them. Yeah. And, you know, it, just in Walnut Creek, which I'll, so I, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to have uh, some Walnut Creek city, current and, and former city council members uh, talk to me about what's been going on in Walnut Creek. But just over this past weekend, I'm sure you both saw that there were mm. uh, another, uh, there was a protest in Walnut Creek that 
um, ended with, you know, there, there's been vandalism, spray painting, um, you know, reports of people yelling at uh, people dining out at restaurants. The police were there, but um, the, the Walnut Creek uh, interim police chief put out a statement saying, you know, it, it, it's the uh, field supervisor's kind of discretion to decide how much do they engage? And they mostly stood back because they viewed it as nonviolent. But you know, there was damage done, um, and and you know, we certainly hear the you know uh, narrative of looters and rioters and things like that, and very different from you know what what many of these protest march have, marches have been about, where you know all three of us have been there. But you know, Holly, I'm wondering from your perspective as this comes up in, in Clayton, how, how should Clayton be handling something like that where they might have a march and you know, where, where, does, where do the police engage? How do we make sure that police are aware of underlying issues, but maintaining safety, protecting businesses? You know, I, I think this is one of, for a city council, I think this will be a, one of the biggest uh, challenges and, and hottest topics over the next, you know, in, in the near future. How are you thinking about sure. that? Sure. Well, we did have our fair share of that this summer. So the very first um, rally, which happened to be on June 2nd, I didn't attend that one. Um, and that was where we uh, boarded up, they boarded up the city, uh, the downtown area. Um, and that was the one where the sheriff's department used um, smoke bombs, tear gas, uh, rubber bullets. And uh, those were kids for all intents and purposes peaceful kids sitting on the ground who didn't leave because they had, our city had instituted a 6 p.m. curfew, um, which was two hours prior to the county curfew. So that put everyone in an uproar. And part of the reason that they did that was because there was a credible threat um, that was on social media against a local business uh, downtown, which was, you know, you can go tear that business up, but leave all the other ones alone. And so they had to take that seriously. Um, the June 5th rally that you attended where my family uh, and I spoke was because of that rally. I wanted to help lead uh, the city leaders down, <clears throat> excuse me, downtown, which is where those protesters, protesters were trying to get on the second. They were trying to get down to the Grove um, just to have a peaceful rally. They never were able to get there because there were a line of police officers that stopped them from getting there. And so there's a fine line between having a presence and then um, and being intimidating, which, you know, I'm an adult. I'm gonna be intimidated by a row of police officers in front of me. Um, I also, I'm not sure that I'd sit there and watch people tag a building. I, I, I don't, I, that to me, that's extreme to just stand there and, and watch that, you stop it. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that later in the summer, or it could have been maybe this fall actually, we had, um, there was another protest and I'm saying protest in quotes because all of the other ones were you, you at least knew, okay, well, there's a group of people who are going to meet at the corner of Ignacio Valley Road and Clayton Road, and they're going to march downtown. That happened in both instances in June. This last one was broadcast all over social media on, on Twitter, and I think maybe even Instagram, but definitely Twitter. It, word got out. They put it on next door. And then it, it was said that our police officers were coordinating, with they, the, the protesters were coordinating with our police officers. And I thought, kind of protest does that. That's not normally what happens. It just didn't feel right. And so I even said, that's not a normal protest. Protesters don't normally coordinate with the police officers. And so they had cordoned off a section of our um, uh, downtown shopping center or shopping center in Clayton, not downtown. And 
you know, they were going to provide porta potties. Like the, there was this elaborate setup that was done for these protesters. And I still kept saying that this something doesn't sound right. And it was going to be for seven hours from four to 11 PM protests never have finite times. It's just, you show up at this time and let's go do it. And so all of that didn't smell right. And what ended up happening is a handful of people who came to cause trouble did they came downtown and they went to one business who happened to have a, um, some people will call it an anti-Black Lives Matter flag. The, the restaurant owner calls it, um, it's in support of uh, first responders flagged um, is why he has it there. And so these protesters targeted his business and the patrons that were sitting outside of it, calling them racist, et cetera. They weren't, I don't know that they were on the property. Again, I wasn't down there, um, but being what we were being told is that they were just, they were screaming expletives, et cetera, in the owner's face and uh, at the patrons. And um, it was a horrible situation. The police did come down. Um, and I believe it was Conquer PD that a, a couple of um, people who were at the business said that had to end up getting the group to leave. So there's a fine line between allowing somebody to, to, you know, have free speech and then you just have to shut it down and end it. There's no reason to be antagonizing people who are trying to have a meal out with their families. It's, that's unnecessary. And you definitely don't need to tag, tag businesses um, and destroy those for what they did. They haven't done anything wrong. So I don't agree with necessarily standing there and watching it. I can see maybe not wanting to, to um, escalate things. You can still have the upper hand without escalating. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a fine line. I, I would think that's what they're trained to do. So yeah. you would hope, as you said, there's, there's this line between we don't necessarily need armored assault vehicles, right. and tear gas, and also that the sense of law, lawlessness. Yeah. And then, you know, I think so many of us are in this position of feeling we believe in social, social justice. We want to make sure our voices get heard that, you know, inherent in our constitution is the right to peacefully protest and that, you know, to, to go out and express how you feel. And that's very different from, you know, we're going to go loot, riot, destroy, tag things, and that we count on the police to still appropriately handle these things and, you know, to strike a balance. And, you know, the protests I've been at have, have been nothing like this, you know, Antifa, let's burn down the... Right you know, the city uh, type thing, but that, that is the narrative that, that is taking hold in some places. Right, um, and it, it goes against what the other protests have been about, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you start to take away from the, the narrative that we're all, that we've worked so hard for these last, what, five months, yeah. um, where you're trying to get allies to realize, hey, the whole point is for us not to be attacked just for the color of our skin. And we wanna be able to go out in public and be safe doing that and, and live the same type of life that you've had the privilege of, of living without having to think about your color. That's the goal. It, the rest of it becomes noise and takes away from that when people think that that's all we're about, which is not the case, so. And I mean, I, I think for me, one of the things that struck me over the summer is, you know, as we had uh, the curfews and, and things like that right after some of those protests and, and some of which had, had turned really badly was the fact that, um, you know, these curfews, and I thought about the fact that like, as a, a white male, if I want to, you know, in my neighborhood in Walnut Creek, go out past curfew and walk my dog, I can do so without worrying very much. That's just a, a statement. And yet um, I know that if a person of color did that same thing, that it's a different mindset, that they're concerned about how is this going to be perceived? How could this quickly escalate? Could I end up getting arrested? And that's, you know, one of those examples of privilege that I think we continue to see here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there've been some 
really powerful conversations, but it, it's also a challenge because of, you know, we, we have this simmering um, racial issue that we're trying to address and talk about and have these conversations. At the same time, we have a global pandemic and it makes it much harder. Um, you know, Courtney, I, one of the things you mentioned social media, but how else do you, you know, especially with students, how do you think you keep having those conversations? How, how do we, you know, facilitate that? Well, do you mean in a, in a pandemic or in normal times or just whatever? <laughs> Either way you want to address it. I mean, um, or, or, you know, just how you're thinking about it. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of this has been going on for a long time, right? I mean, this is a movement that started decades ago. And then I think a lot of people got complacent. A lot of people probably thought that the goals were accomplished. A lot of people knew that wasn't true and I've been fighting for it. I, I think I went to my first Black Lives Matter protest probably three or four years ago. Um, it wasn't, you know, the thing that was in the news at that time, but it's always been um, something that is important to me and a lot of people. But I think that the George Floyd incident was a turning point. I don't think this is, it's not going to be like something that goes um, quietly under the rug and, and people are think is, is gone now. So um, I think, I think the conversations are just going to happen organically, but as electeds, we also need to try to facilitate that process and, and speak up when we see something wrong and take the opportunities and make the opportunities for others. So like I said, I think that this um, parent education and teacher education series that my district has started is a good first step, but um, we need to next incorporate student education and also, um, for the educators, like I said, I don't think it should be optional. I think it should be, you know, one thing I've learned through this whole process as I'm an attorney. So as an attorney, we have mandatory continuing legal education that we have to do every year. Um, and elimination of bias is one of our subject areas that we have to do some hours in. I was kind of surprised to learn that that's not a thing for teachers. Um, it should, it should be. And I don't think that teachers, I don't know many teachers that I think would disagree with that. The problem, of course, is always the funding, right? So there are, there are so many, we, we give our teachers so many things that they have to learn and do and change every year that that's where those precious, precious uh, professional development hours are spent. So now we're going to say to them, and you have to learn about elimination of bias and implicit bias. And, um, but I, we just need to do it. So it, one of the things um, that I think as a board member is for me is going to be looking at creative ways to incorporate those things and working with those employee groups to figure out how we accomplish this and to not just forget about it in a couple of months. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly going to hear from people who have the perspective that all, all, all schools should be doing is teaching the basics of, you know, writing, history, math. In history, we only want a one-sided view of history. I was like, whoa, that's the part that needs to be fixed. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it, it's just stunning to me that um, to think that our students can go out into the world without 
engaging in the world as it is today and this recognition. And I think, you know, Courtney, to your point that, you know, a lot of people felt like, hey, we elected Obama twice. Racism's gone. We're good. Um, and, you know, it, it, I think one of my favorite, it, it's hard to pick a favorite Donald Trump quote, but the, uh, you know, I'm, Abra I'm the best uh, person for uh, best president for black people since, since Abraham Lincoln. Um, and, you know, just the stunning uh, nature of that quote. And one of the things I kept thinking about is if you want to talk about someone who's done so much for race relations, a white person, it's Steve Jobs with the introduction of the iPhone, because so much of this, I think, has been happening, but hasn't been recorded. And it, the, the difference is now people are confronted with it that, right. you know, a, a, a George Floyd, that's not the first time that's happened. Absolutely These not. are not new things that are happening. What's new is that people are pulling out their iPhone or their Android phone and they're recording it and it's being published instantly. But that's the difference, that these are these things that, that have been underlying. Um, Holly, tell, it, it, you have experience with this and you, it, you know, I think in, in Clayton, one of the things that stood out to me at that march was the fact that I think there may be seven or eight families um, that was like the entirety of the, the black families on the stage who, and as you said, some, several of them said, we've been hiding. And this mm -hmm. fact that, you know, this thought that they felt like they had to be hiding in their own city. Mm -hmm. And, you know, tell me, tell me from your perspective, what, what kind of you think about that? Yeah, I would say, I don't even, there might've been more than seven families. Um, there were probably about 30 of us up there. I only knew, um, obviously my own family, two other families that were up there. Um, and the other two were just uh, fathers and daughters. Uh, so a father and a daughter. Um, so, so that was- So maybe 10. I knew, I knew eight of us that were standing up there, um, maybe 10 of us. The rest I had just met that day. And so I, that's why I said, where have you all been the last 16 years? Because at the time we'd only lived here 16 years because I had never seen them yeah. in 16 years. That's a problem. So my family and I are known about town because we've spent a lot of our time out and about in the community. Um, that was shocking to me and hurtful just to hear, well, one, obviously they moved here because it felt safer for them. That's the reason how come we live here, right? So, you know, people will poo poo that and say, well, you know, how come you don't live in a predominantly black neighborhood? I didn't grow up in a predominantly black neighborhood, neither did my husband. So this is what we are used to. We're used to being, you know, 1% of the population in the area where, we, where we're living, 1% of the population in our jobs. That's just what we're used to. And so for our daughters, it's difficult um, because they'll even say, you know, well, how come we're not surrounded by more black people? They get super excited when we're around family reunions because there's 300 of us um, together, you know, five generations. And they're like, wow, look at all these family members and all the love, and this is great. And then we can go visit friends or other relatives in other states. And they're like, this is great. Like we can see more people and see more of our culture. They want more of the culture is what they're missing. So we try to give that to them through family, but for them growing up here, it, it's difficult because they're able, they are able to assimilate because I show them this is what it's going to be like when you go out in the real world. You're not going to be only in a microcosm of only black people. That isn't how corporate America is. If that's where you want to get a job, you're going to have to get used to this because that's just how it is. Um, the goal is to change that, right? So I want to work in a place where if I'm missing from a, from a, you know, a series of um, uh, seminars, right, or breakout rooms 
it's obvious if I don't show up or if it's obvious if my coworker Sonia doesn't show up because we're literally the only two black relationship managers. If we're not in the room, everybody knows. We don't have that luxury. Other people have the luxury of, oh girl, I didn't go to that eight o'clock, I slept in. They have that luxury, I don't. <laughs> so I want my girls to be able to have um, that experience where they're able to blend in, right? We, we don't blend in now. Um, I like it that we're unique in that way and that if I walk into a room, I'm recognized now because people realize, oh, okay, well that's Holly, but it would also every now and then be nice to, to blend in. Um, and that's the goal. So that's why I said living here in town, it's been great for us. There have been some issues with racism here. And I know that there are a lot of people in town who didn't want to hear that, um, but it did have to be brought up. So we've had um, people use racist slants uh, or slurs that people didn't like. That was about a year ago and that came to a head. We also, um, and because of that, what ended up coming out of that, that city council did sign was, um, it was a proclamation um, against racism, I forget what the correct term is, but they did have that, uh, that went through. They're also going to add to our do the right thing pillar. Um, that's something that they talked about. They're trying to figure out how they want to weave in uh, either diversity or inclusion. And that's something that we'll probably talk about once I'm on the council that came up a, a few months ago um, that was proposed by one of the council members, but they, uh, they want to add to that pillar. Um, and several of the council members, not as council members, but as citizens, but they happen to be on the city council, were part of, they're part of our Clayton Speak series, because for them, this is important to get out there and to, to ensure that we're having these conversations. And the goal is not to just have this be, we initially thought it'd be just three webinars, three or four, and then we'd be finished. But as we continued on, we realized, no, there's so much more that we need to talk about. And it's not just black or white. It's you know, we can get into anti-Semitism and we can get into Native, uh, Native American people. All of, we can get into so many other avenues because it's, it's about all of us and all of our stories. Not it's not just a black or white thing. All, we're a melting pot. So yeah. we've all come here from, from different areas. We all have our own histories. We all have to realize that all of that is what makes us who we are. And the more that we can expand that, that's the goal is to, to continue these hard conversations and, and go into each of those different avenues. So this is gonna be something that we continue on for a while. Yeah. Whether I would made it an office or not, it was gonna be something that we did. It, it's not gonna happen overnight, but nope. uh, I think that's probably a, a great note to end it on because it's, you know, it's ongoing. It's not, um, you know, we've, we've made progress, but I think people continue to see how, how much further we have to go. And I just wanna say thank you. I mean, you know, as Courtney said, Holly, for you to step up, while having a kidney transplant and, you know, making the, this run and, and winning your election and Courtney for you, you know, working as a single mom to take this on, I I'm just grateful to both of you because we need more people like you, like your perspectives um, because that's what it's going to take to move us forward. And so I I'm, I'm super excited to see how, I know you're both going to be incredibly successful in office, but uh, thank you for making the run and thank you for taking a little time to talk with me. No, thank you for the invite. This was great. Courtney, it was a pleasure meeting you. I'm sure we're going to talk a lot more. Um, Absolutely. Yes, Brian we did, definitely should. We do. Brian, send me her info or just connect oh. us on email if you can. That'd be great um, because I would like to uh, stay in contact. And Brian, you're going to be done soon, but I'm going to bother you if I get on that other committee. <laughs> I'm not going far. I'm, not going, far. I'm going to too. You, you, you will be hearing from me, I'm sure. And I appreciate all of the support you've given me so far. Of course. Thank you so much.